Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Got a story here about a case I've talked about before, and this is bad news, meaning that this case got overturned on appeal. You'll recall I talked before about a case where a woman's home was destroyed by the police who were trying to apprehend somebody. And so she sued the city and said, well, you guys have destroyed my house. And she sued them under a Fifth Amendment takings argument, saying that the city had, in effect, taken her property from her and and she wanted compensation. And the trial court allowed that and a jury awarded her damages. So the city took it up on appeal and the Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals overturned it. So Ken sent me a note, said, Steve, check this out. It just happened recently. Uh, it's a case of Baker versus Texas. Uh, and I'm going to kind of skim through this because it is a 20-page opinion. When an armed fugitive held a 15-year-old hostage inside Vicki Baker's home, the city police officers employed armored vehicles, explosives, and toxic gas grenades to resolve the situation. And by resolve the situation, we mean they got the guy, but they leveled the house. Okay? Parties agree... The officers only did what was necessary in an active emergency. However, her home suffered severe damage, much of her personal property is destroyed, and the city refused to compensate her for that. So she brought suit in federal court alleging a violation of the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment, which states that private property shall not be taken for public use without just compensation. So that phrase be taken for public use without just compensation, is what the entire case turns on. And the question is, was her property taken for public use? And if it was, then you think, well, she should be justly compensated. So the district court held that as a matter of law, the city violated the takings clause by refusing to compensate her. So the city filed an appeal. This court concludes that as a matter of history and precedent, The takings clause does not require compensation for damaged or destroyed property when it was objectively necessary for officers to damage or destroy that property in an active emergency to prevent imminent harm to persons. So Baker has maintained that the officers' actions were precisely that, necessary in light of an active emergency to prevent imminent harm to a hostage child Uh, to the officers who responded on the scene, and to others in a residential community. Uh, Accordingly, and despite our sympathy for her, on whom misfortune fell at no fault of her own, we reverse. So they're reversing the trial court. And so they go into some of the facts here for several pages. I'll summarize for you. Uh, The woman is a longtime resident of McKinney, Texas. She's planning on selling her home and retiring, but before she could do that, this happened. Uh, She'd already moved to Montana. Uh, And on July 25th, 2020, uh, and her adult daughter uh, was staying in the home to prepare it for final sale. And meanwhile, the woman's dog was also in the house. Uh, On the morning of July 25th, there was a Facebook post that a man was on the run with a 15-year-old female, quote-unquote, runaway with him. The daughter recognized the man because he did some work inside that home more than a year before the incident occurred. He had worked at that home, but he'd, he'd also been fired. That same morning... The police spotted the man driving a Corvette with the girl inside. Officers began pursuit, but it was a very fast Corvette. (laughs) That's the quote. It was a very fast Corvette. He evaded police, and for some odd reason, he arrived at the Baker residence shortly thereafter with the girl and knocked on the door. 
when the daughter, Cook, answered, uh, the man asked to come in and asked if he could put his car in the garage. Now, the daughter recognized the girl, and she was frightened, so she formulated a plan to help. She agreed to let the man into the house, but then told him falsely that she had to go to the supermarket. So she wanted to get out of the house. Once away from the house, she called um, her mother and described the situation, and her mom called the police. City police arrived soon after, and the words of one of the officers set up a perimeter, tried to secure it, and what we're doing is for the well-being of not only a 15-year-old girl, but the community as a whole. Uh, officers employed a Bearcat, which is an armored personnel carrier, and engaged in loud hailing using an intercom system. Soon after, the man released the girl, and she left the house. The girl told police that he's in the ceiling. She'd pulled down the attic so he could get up there. They had a lot of long guns, some pistols, and he was obviously high on meth. So they managed to communicate the police, and the man said he had terminal cancer, was not going back to prison, he knew he was going to die, and he was planning on shooting it out with the police. So they go through the whole story, and they say, look, it's undisputed that police acted unimpeachably that day, and no party in this case has ever suggested otherwise. At trial, Baker's attorney made it a point on direct examination to underline that there was some really good police work here. It was a successful operation. Everyone followed procedure, and everyone did what they were supposed to do. So the question is, did that attorney know those words will come back to haunt him? I don't know. But the real point here is that they wound up just just really messing up this house. Uh, I earlier said they leveled it. it, That was hyperbole. But they heavily damaged the house. Uh, The damage to her home was severe. As the district court explained, much of the damage went beyond what could be captured visually. Uh, The explosions injured the dog who became blind and deaf. The toxic gas required the services of a hazmat remediation team. Appliances and fabrics were irreparable. Ceiling fans, plumbing, floors, hard surfaces, as well as carpet and bricks need to be replaced. In addition, the windows, blinds, fence, front door, garage door. Essentially, all of the personal property in the house was destroyed, including an antique doll collection. In total, the damage was approximately $50,000. So I guess in the grand scheme of the value of a house, that's not quite as bad as it could have been, but that's substantial. So she filed a claim for property damage with the city, and the city replied in a letter. It was denying the claim in its entirety because there's no liability on the part of the city or any of its employees. So the woman's insurance would not cover damage caused by the city's police, And so she's stuck in a situation now because her insurance won't cover it and the people who caused the damage won't cover it. So what does she do? So she filed suit against the city federal court uh, March 3rd, 2021 uh, in the Eastern District of Texas for violation of the takings clause because of the fact that her property was taken by the state, in essence, uh, and she has not been compensated. So the city filed a motion to dismiss arguing that Baker has no cause of action because the city did not take her property under the Fifth Amendment. They say that the complaint failed to sufficiently allege liability under U.S. Code 1983, uh, and they went from there. So the two sides are now arguing a very, very interesting point because there have been, as you can imagine, 
many, many situations where the city, the county, the state, the feds, somebody at the government level has come in and damaged something that belongs to somebody else. And if they don't step up and go, yeah, we'll compensate you for that. Well, you go, okay, I'm going to sue you for that. And the question is, what can you sue the government for? So the court talks about jurisdiction here, uh, but everybody agrees that this court uh, will wind up having jurisdiction, so that's not a problem. But the merits of the Fifth Amendment claim. Uh, The city invites our court to adopt a broad rule. Because Baker's property was damaged or destroyed pursuant to the exercise of the city's police powers, they say there's been no compensable taking under the Fifth Amendment. And the court actually says, we're not, we're not going to go that way. We, we will not make that broad of a ruling, okay? So you go, okay, well, that, 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 that sounds decent, right? So they then start talking about the exclusions. Because apparently, while you could sue them for some takings under the police power, under the takings clause, uh, they say that there are some exclusions. And there's actually a case out of Mississippi, I'm not making this up, from 1871. 1871. Baker attends more closely to historical precedent than does a city. Relying on Pompelli versus Green Bay and Mississippi Canal Company, 1871, for the proposition that where real estate is actually invaded so as to effectually destroy or impair its usefulness, it is a taking within the meaning of the Constitution. So Pompelli was an inverse condemnation case in the context of a dam which uh, had been built that flooded the plaintiff's property. In that case, the Supreme Court said, it would be a very curious and unsatisfactory result if in construing a provision of constitutional law, always understood to have been adopted for protection and security to the rights of the individual against the government, and which has received the commendation of jurists, statesmen, and commentators as placing the just principle of the common law on that subject beyond the power of ordinary legislation to change or control them. It shall be held that if the government refrains from the absolute conversion of real property to the uses of the public, it can destroy its value entirely, can inflict irreparable and permanent injury to any extent, can, in effect, subject it to total destruction without making any compensation, because in the narrowest sense of the word, it is not taken for the public use. That's one sentence. Such a construction would pervert the constitutional provision into a restriction upon the rights of the citizen as those rights stood at the common law. Instead of the government and make it an authority for invasion of private property under the pretext of the public good, which had no warrant in the laws or practices of our ancestors. So in 1871, they're talking about our ancestors in very long sentences. While we agree with Baker that Pompelli further undercuts the city's proposed rule, it provides only limited help for Baker herself. To repeat, Pompelli was a flooding case that dealt with a dam constructed pursuant to state legislation. The facts of Pompelli are facially distinct from these where officers damaged or destroyed her property by necessity during an active emergency. An emergency that began as a hostage situation involving a child and evolved into a potential shootout in a residential neighborhood with a heavily armed fugitive. What Baker needs, in other words, is historical or contemporary authority that involves facts closer to those at bar and where the petitioner succeeded 
under the takings clause, but Baker provides no such authority, presumably because it does not exist. So when we turn to history and precedent, we find that historically oriented legal scholarship has widely converged on the thesis that a necessity or emergency privilege has existed in takings clause jurisprudence since the founding. And there's a footnote here. It's footnote three. It is literally a major portion of that page where they list all the various citations that support that notion. And so they go, for example, in one case from 1788, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court considered a claim for compensation for 227 barrels of flour that had been moved by the government to a depot and later lost to the British. Court asked whether by reason, by the law of nations, and by precedents analogous to the subject before us, whether compensation could be awarded. And the court answered no on the ground that the rights of necessity form a part of our law. So the court then goes on to describe all these various cases that happen and how it is that a public emergency is going to be, in their minds, a very, very narrow exception where if your home or property or whatever it is you've got gets destroyed because of a public emergency, then you cannot say it's a taking under the Fifth Amendment. Or more accurately, you can say it's a taking, but you don't get compensation for it because it's an exception to the rule. So in sum, page 17, in sum, history, tradition, and historical precedent reaching back to the founding supports the existence of a necessity exception to the takings clause. Today, we make no attempt to define the bounds of this exception. We hold only that in this case, the takings clause does not require compensation for Baker's damaged or destroyed property because, as Baker herself claims, it was objectively necessary for officers to damage or destroy her property in an active emergency to prevent imminent harm to persons. We need not determine whether the necessity exception extends further than this. So they are simply saying that they're going to say there's an exception, but they're not going to define it any further than this. They say because Baker opted to pursue relief under 1983, we do not reach whether she succeeds under the Texas Constitution. We reverse the court's ruling, finding the city's damaging or destroying property was a compensable taking. We therefore vacate the judgment in her favor and remand for further proceedings. So as of right now, that case has been spun around, as I like to say, and uh, the judgment has been vacated, meaning it's been eliminated. It's been erased. Poof. So what this means, uh, a couple things, one of which is that when this case came out and the trial court ruled the way it did and the judge uh, allowed the case to proceed on these grounds, um, I believe I called that a genius move because I had never seen anybody make that argument successfully. And it worked and it looked like a great idea. Of course, it got appealed. Here we are. So obviously, now if she wants to, she can appeal this ruling to the Supreme Court. The odds of that happening? Hard to say because the Supreme Court only accepts a handful of cases every year and they only accept the ones that, well, we don't know why they accept what they accept. They just do what they do. But we believe they tend to accept the cases that are extremely important in our jurisprudence. That is to, to, to settle a question of law that appears to be uh, confusing courts out there. And so if we've got this idea that goes all the way back to our founding, remember that one of those cases involved 
something being lost to the British. Um, perhaps something that has no recent case law on it might be appropriate for a Supreme Court ruling, possibly. Uh, but of course, if it gets denied on appeal to SCOTUS, or they simply don't take it up there, then they wind up where they are right now and she gets nothing. Now, some people might say, but Steve, I thought the law would always provide a remedy to somebody who's been wronged. Well, theoretically, she could sue the guy who's holed up in the attic. Theoretically. I'm simply pointing that out. That, that technically speaking, there is someone, arguably, who could be named in a lawsuit. Uh, is he collectible? Is he alive? I don't know. But that's, that's, the point is that that's not really much of a remedy. Okay? And by the way, you should know that that's actually one of the things that does happen, is laws can be passed to remedy these situations. So I can tell you that Michigan, for example, Michigan has sovereign immunity. You can't just sue the state of Michigan for anything you want, because a lot of the lawsuits, they'll look at it and go, okay, you can't sue for that, and they'll throw it out. But the state of Michigan passed a law a while back saying, you can't sue us except for the following things. And they've actually given a list of things for which they can be sued. And it makes sense when you look at the list. So I'll give you an example. The negligent operation of an automobile. So if you're driving down the road and somebody plows into you and it's just a regular person, well, of course, you can sue them if you're injured in certain ways under Michigan's no fault. But if it's a state employee driving a state vehicle, you can also sue them. They're not protected because it's a state vehicle and a state employee. And so there's a specific exception for vehicles being driven negligently. And you go, oh, that makes complete sense. Steve, one more. Give us one more. Okay. Defects in a building owned and controlled by the state of Michigan. So let's suppose you decided to go to Lansing and you want to go talk to somebody in the state uh, geology department. <laughs> And you're walking through the building where that is. You come around a corner and you fall through a hole in the floor. And you get injured. And, and they pull you out of the hole in the floor. And you wake up in the hospital. And somebody goes, craziest thing. A sinkhole formed in the hallway. <laughs> and we didn't spot it because we're negligent. You got injured. You can sue for that. Which, again, makes complete sense. Why would it make sense that you can sue anybody who owns a building except the state? And by the way, since the state is on notice that they can be sued for these things, they then watch out to make sure that their cars aren't driven negligently when they can, or to make sure there aren't holes in the floors of their buildings when they can, and so on. So it makes complete sense. So when someone comes to you and goes, I want to sue the state, you go, what for? And you go look at that legislation and see if it's on the list. If it's not on the list, you go, sorry, you're out of luck. But... Somebody could pass a law. Somebody could pass a law. If the police level a house or damage a house in pursuit of a fugitive and through no fault of the owner of the house, the house gets damaged by law enforcement, we'll compensate them for that. They could pass such a law. They could. Will they? I doubt it. Uh, this is one of those things that affects so few people on a daily basis that the bulk of us, we hear about it. We might get outraged, but it doesn't affect us in that sense. So they probably wouldn't pass such a law. So there you go. Uh, Vicki Baker versus City of McKinney, Texas. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad outcome at this level. But it's just a speed bump on the road to where they got to go, which is the Supreme Court of the United States. Ken, thanks for sending it. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law.
You keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think it means.